0: Lord God, we really believe what we were singing just a minute ago. (laughs) We believe that this thing is turning around. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we want to be your hands and your feet here on this earth. God, for you called us your body, Christ. (laughs) Lord Jesus, we ask that tonight that your scriptures would cut our hearts. That you would elevate, God, our, our passion for you, our zeal for your kingdom, Lord. Jesus, we just, we want, the goal of our lives, God, is just that we might love you in the same way that you have loved us, Lord. Lord Jesus, tonight, empower us, God. Speak your word, speak your scriptures, revelation from, from you, Holy Spirit, right here from this podium and this microphone, God. Lord, we love you. And we want to honor you with every bit of our souls and every bit of our lives. Jesus, speak to us tonight. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So I want to start with saying that um, when I was praying this afternoon um, in preparation for this evening, the Lord (coughs) broke my heart on the matter of, um on the matter of like what am i doing with my life right now and he showed me he reminded me cuz i said lord remind me like the remembers you guys remember all the remembers i said lord remind me of that day when you first reached down from heaven and and touched my life when I never deserved it, when I never was asking for it and I wasn't looking for you. And as the Lord does, He, he cut my heart in the moment and I was weeping and, and I said, Lord, You have not just delivered me, but You have taken me from house to house to house to make sure that I would, was always taken care of, that I was always fed, that I was always provided for, that I was always uh, taken care of in your kingdom. So, Lord, why am I doing this? Why, why, why do these things in my life look the way that they are? <laughs> and one of the things that I became overwhelmed with was the fact that um, each one of you are in, are in my family's life. The fact that I could, I asked, in Jesus' name, no. <laughs> I asked the Lord, um, it's like, God, you always provided for me, so why does my life look the way that it does? Why is it, why are there things that I just, that aren't turning around? Why is it that there are things that, um, that I'm not proud of? And he reminded me of the joy of having each one of you in my life and the way that I love each one of you because just as Jesus said, when he was in the house teaching to a group of people, he said, my mother and brothers are those who do the will of the Father. And I believe that that's each one of you. And I, am, I love you guys so much for that. And, um, but I do have this to say to you today. Um, I believe that God is taking us into a time as a church where we're starting to see um, things go from a few sparks and a few small Flames to something burning hotter and brighter and altogether unified. Um, that just like in our fire pit outside, how we'll go around and each part of it and it's all dry and it's ready to burn and we'll light a couple little fires in there. That's where Remnant Church has been at for a while. And there's going to be a precious time coming up where every one of us are burning as hot as the one next to us. Every one of us will be just as concerned for the nations and Even more so this city right here that God put us in, all together, all the same, all just as zealous as the ones who are left and our right because he is forming and fashioning us in this way. So I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. That's where we're going to start in the scriptures tonight. You feel it already? (laughs) When you get to James chapter 1, look at verse 23. are actually going to look at verse 22 first to preface our point this evening. It says, But prove yourselves doers of the word. Say doers. doers. And not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in, in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. I want you to take note of a few of those words that we just came across there. He says, James admonishes people to not simply be a hearer because those who are only hearers are deluded. They are confused. They are blind. They are deaf. They are confused. Church, this is not what the Holy Spirit filled each one of our lives for was so that we would only be hearers. Jesus did not die that you and I would be able to sit in the same Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday meetings over and over and over again and keep doing the same thing every other week, over and over again. I'm passionate about this because of just what I told you earlier. You guys are my family, and I wouldn't rather have anybody else. <laughs> Pastor Mike taught me how to, how to love, and I love you guys. <laughs> And I want you to hear this today, because um, we are not going to be the church that's just better than the church down the road. I know some of you are satisfied because you're just a little bit better than your mom and dad, or just that your marriage doesn't look as rough as what you saw there, or maybe that this church is a little bit more alive than the last one that you were at, and maybe maybe you have something that in your life now a few golden nuggets that one of your pastors gave you that you can go throw at a stubborn religious family member but that's not the point of any of this right here James said that this is the law of liberty This is the law of liberty, and there is a freedom that we have to be able to see in this church. And when I say this church, I'm not meaning any building, any walls, or pastors, or elders, or leaders. I mean every single soul, just as we've been taught in Ephesians, that there are only doers in the kingdom. There are only those who are doing the work of the ministry, and then there are those who are not doing the work of the ministry. It's black and white. And so whenever we take a sober assessment of our lives, according to James 1, we have to ask ourselves, am I only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word? I know that this is true because we have sermons and messages and marriage counseling meetings and discipleship training and every other tool that you could possibly need and ministry training coming up. And it seems like many go and look at their face in the mirror during a time of reflection in a Thursday night prayer meeting or a Sunday morning church service, and then seem to forget just who they are, just who God's intended them to be at the very next step. This feeds right into some of the lack of vision and direction on a familial level that we've had as a church. Now, we have these things that Pastor Mike taught us over the last month of our purpose and our mission and our vision and our values. And and we've been delivering those things to you. And these things were prayerfully considered and written down on stone tablets so that they can go and be carried because we knew that we're going to have to have some foundation for some families to be able to structure the mission and vision that of what each one of us are meant to do. And rightfully so, so your pastors and leaders have done this for you, but a lack of vision for yourself and f- or for your family, a lack of direction, a lack of not knowing where, what your next turn is and what to do, usually is not because the Lord is hiding it from you, at least not at this church. It's more so because you didn't do the last thing He told you to do. And so whenever we come to a place where as a church, we're, we're teetering on this precipice right now. And I feel it. You feel it. We've felt it for a, almost a year now where we're like, man, I just feel something coming. And these things have been prophesied right here in this church. And what I've taken notice of is, is that the Lord can deliver us. He can show us our reflection in a mirror. We can go through the tabernacle and come to a laver and see the cost of the sin on our lives and look into that reflection and then rinse it off and then see who we really are and then come back in the same position over and over again. And I don't mean that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have anything left to confess or repent on in next week or the week after that. But rather the same pitiful stance over and over again. Or the same set of excuses for why you didn't do the last thing that God spoke to you to do. In James 1 it says, if anyone, I'm sorry, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in all that he does. And in this scripture right here the Lord was hammering my heart this week saying that you have been tried to be so careful in everything that you do so that everyone can approve of you that you forgot to move forward in the things that I told you to do. I'm actually, I, I pray for vision for me and Kendall. I'm like, Lord, what will we name our children that you've promised to us? What will our family look like in these years to come? What is, what is going to be... Uh, what are going to be some of the things that Remnant Church is doing in this community? But in reality, I'm three or four sets of instructions deep right now because I've been so careful to try to make every step of this look so pretty so for the approval of everyone else. And in those careful steps, the tiptoeing, so to say, I've actually fallen behind in the instructions of things that God's told me to do. Listen to uh, listen to this quote here. It says, "God was never a chocolate manufacturer, and never will be. God's men are always heroes. In Scripture, you can trace their giant foot tracks down the sand of time." Those were not men who were tiptoeing, being careful for stubborn family members and (laughs) tiptoeing around the private, secret aspirations that each one of us have. Making sure not to knock over our sandcastle while we're also trying to build his kingdom all at the same time. So what if our sandcastle falls over? It was going to get washed away anyways, but God was never one who manufactures things, who melt in the heat of a furnace. He was not one who made men who would tiptoe through their life. But instead, he creates heroes. He creates soldiers. And there's an identity crisis that we've all been talking about for a long time that has to do with you and me have to be the example every day of the church that does not come in and sit in another service and another teaching and another message and another marriage counseling thing to get another tool. How many other tools like Abigail's and Nabal's do you need to be able to take hold of like, oh, that's what my sin nature is. and Oh, these are the beautiful God-given traits to my spouse that I can, that I can speak over them and prophesy, and these are the things that God has implanted in my identity. How many more of those things do we need before we feel like we have enough tools to move forward? I'm convicted by the fact that men like Abraham had no set of scriptures to abide by. He simply had the voice of God. I'm convicted by the fact that Noah, he was... Um, Mocked and teased his entire way through the testimony of his life, and it was only proven in the eleventh hour that God was with him. That pretty much destroys our need for the approval of men alone, right there. Abraham was able to leave the comfort of his mother and father's home and risk the uh, risk the possibility of there being offense right there. Noah was willing to have all of creation other than his family mock and tease him and still continue to build this large vessel for an event that had never happened in all of history. We see a Gideon who's hiding in a threshing floor. And an angel of the Lord says to him, you man of valor, get up. Oh, there's no assembled army and there's no one good enough and they're not strong enough. And the, it started to sound like, I'm sure the things that Gideon was thinking of are the same excuses that I have for why we haven't done what we're called to do in some facets. Like, Lord, our church is too young and we don't have, a, we don't have enough elders. We don't have enough zeal in the men, Lord. And we, God, we are, are zealous women. They don't have husbands and... Uh, excuses. Excuses is what the Lord's shown me. Speaking of excuses, look at Revelation chapter 2 with me. See, the Lord has um, dealt kindly with me the last couple months in removing my need to make excuses. See, I've always been a great talker my whole life. And also a loser when it came to actually showing the fruit of what I was talking about. Whenever the Lord first touched my life, I had to make a decision to stop pretending like I was something that I wasn't. I had sat in church for 20 years of my life with people naming their children after me, thinking that I was something that I really wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> and um, whenever the Lord touched my life, he put a fire. He, he put a need to move forward in my soul that my, so that my feet finally started moving forward. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 13 with me. This is to the church of Pergamum. <laughs> It says, I know where you dwell. The Lord said, I know where you live. Where Satan's throne is, and you, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. You know what this is starting to sound like? It's like, man, given your circumstances, you guys are doing great. I'm coming to find that that's not necessarily the way that the Lord looks at most things. Look at the rest of it with me. In verse, verse 14, it says, but I have a few things against you. Man, to the other churches, he says, but I have this against you. To this city of people, to this church in this city that dwells under the shadow of the throne of Satan, he says, I have a few things against you. In our in our thoughts and in our minds, often we're t- we, have, we think, man, I pity that person. I really approve of this, this, and that of them. But as I was praying for each of you this week, I started to think a little differently. He says, I have these things against you because you, because you have there some who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who, ex- who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. So you also have some who in the name uh, uh, so who in the same way hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. Or else I am coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. So the church at Pergamum sits under the shadow of the throne of Satan. Maybe you came from a set of circumstances that were unfavorable, so to say. Maybe the family or the parents that you grew up with weren't the ideal for teaching you how to walk in Jesus. Maybe... You came from poverty. Maybe you're coming from an addiction. Maybe you had this, that, and the other. But Jesus says to those who are sitting under the shadow of the throne of Satan, suck it up. He says, I have this against you. You have taken on demonic ideologies and theologies, and you have put them into practice. He said that to some, but who he spoke to at Pergamum, he says, there are some among you who are doing this. So naturally, this struck me because I think of some of the ways that right here at Remnant Church, we excuse the carnality men and our wives. We don't want to upset them. We don't want to offend them, and we don't want to break, in that moment at least, their carnal heart. Or women, we find all of the reasons in the world why we're inadequate and can't do all the things that God's called us to do. Or... Every single one of us, oh, this hole is too deep that I've dug and I can't get out of it. No, 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 no. You own that hole that you dug. And you pray and prophesy and build that ladder with every single thing that the Lord gives you to build it with until you get out of it. The Lord will deliver you. He will deliver you. He will provide you the tools. He will provide you the encouragers. He will provide you the pastors and leaders and everything else that you need. You already have every single one of those things, actually. So ask yourself, why are some of those things in your life still a problem over and over again? Whenever I was considering this, I was asking myself, why is it that in my family, I still lead in a way that I do things so as to be socially accepted by others? The Lord did not make me to be socially accepted in the first place, (laughs) I promise you. And yet there are a lot of things that I do, there are messages that have been burning in my heart ever since the Lord touched my life that I have kept my mouth shut about because I was afraid what others would say about it. I was afraid that I would upset too many pastors who were in the wrong i was afraid to upset family members i was upset to do all of these things because the words that he was putting on my heart were too heavy or the things that he was calling me to do were too costly so Kendall and i began to make an effort in the last couple years to just say yes to whatever lord jesus tells us after all we are his king i mean he is our king and we are his servants and we are his sons and daughters Whenever the prophet said, you bring blemished offerings to the Lord's altar, would you take that to your governor and would he accept that? And we read that and we're like, no, of course not. Of course he wouldn't accept that. Like, have you seen the way the IRS comes after our taxes? Like, they don't accept you not paying your dues. Yet we have the audacity to believe that we have been given an investment from heaven, and that we don't have a king who wants to come back and see a return on his investment. <laughs> see, there is a, we have a gracious, loving, and powerful, and according to the scriptures, a, uh, a prudent king who wants to see a return on his av- investment. So let me ask you today, are the things that you're doing in your life right now, An honest return on the investment of the Holy Spirit that God has given you? Is it honestly a a genuine return for a king? Would you be proud to lay before your king the return of what he's invested in you today? In the church at Pergamum, they had all of the reasons to complain. Every reason to whine. Every reason why Gnostic doctrine made, it, made their way into, into their church. Some say that the Nicolaitans were some branch of Gnosticism and who knows elsewhere. We don't have too much information on it. Nonetheless, there were groups of people inside of the church. This wasn't spoken about the rest of the people in Pergamum. Jesus said to the church at Pergamum, in your midst are people who behave like Balaam. And they were those who allowed impure doctrines and impure ideologies and then, therefore, impure actions to be had amongst their people. Now, we can get frustrated with each other, and that's exactly what the enemy would want. We can get offended at each other, and that's everything that the powers of darkness are aiming at. But when's the last time that your heart burned to see your spouse living up to every bit of what God's spoken that their lives should be? When's the last time your heart burned that your best friend here in this room or that one of the other families in this room were walking as powerfully in the kingdom as you know God wishes them to be walking? We're full of excuses, church. Full of them. And with excuses come not just no fruit, but it usually produces rotten fruit. And whenever we taste of it and we don't like it, we then have more excuses for why our fruit was rotten. Oh, well, I was sitting under the throne of Satan. (laughs) Well, Jesus didn't think that that mattered even a little bit in Pergamum. Jesus said that I will come. (laughs) Jesus says to them that I will. I am coming to you quickly and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. But you know the promise at the end of this? (laughs) He promises to him who overcomes, to him. I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give some of, and I will give him a white stone, and a new name written on it, which no one knows, but he who receives it. Whenever we feel like we don't have enough to be sustained, when we're feeling empty, when we're like, Lord, my truck's falling apart, that's like makes three of us in the room right now. There's not enough money in the bank account. The damage that I've done is too much and I can't get it back. I've made it this far and I've led in this kind of a way in my family and it's irrevocable. Whenever we look at those things and we say, nonetheless, I will do as my king has instructed me, he then gives us the manna. He gives us the manna with the obedience. Do you think manna would have fallen on the people while they were in Egypt? No, there was no need for it. They were very well sustained while they were in Egypt. In fact, they complained and said, we should go back and eat the leeks in Egypt. Have you recently been in the midst of obedience to God and wished for Just the tiniest bit of sustenance that Egypt had for you. Jesus said that those in my kingdom do not put their hand to the plow and look back. (laughs) He says that those who pick up their cross every day and follow me are those of my kingdom. That those who have counted the cost and said, I don't care a damn about the things of this world. DCD. Come on. We have to step up like the like the like Elishas of, of this time, right? Amen. To slaughter our oxen and burn our plowshares <laughs> as an act of obedience. That another man of God filled with the Holy Spirit came and touched your life. Notice uh, Elisha had not received a word straight from heaven. A man of God came and touched his life, and he knew it whenever he did. So whenever, in your mind, oh, well, God hasn't given us this clear direction. I haven't gotten this clear instruction. God hasn't spoken to me. What's the last thing that one of your pastors told you? And you still haven't done that either. See, Elisha's obedience allowed for him to then hear from God. I've seen this in several of your lives. There were times where the Lord asked you to trust people who were really relying on the Holy Spirit for leadership <laughs> of your life. And because of that obedience, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit being pre- like just prevalent in that moment, and you understanding, man, I don't know everything that I'm doing, but I receive this word and I see the fruit of this man and woman's life, I, I have to get up and do something. All of a sudden, you start to hear from God for yourself. I want to encourage you guys with this. Look at, turn to the book of Exodus with me. Look at Exodus chapter 14. It's very fitting because we are just coming out of what? Passover. And as we've heard before, Passover comes before Pentecost. There has to be, there is a price that's paid before we start to see the abundance of glory become very obvious in our lives. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, it says But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you have seen today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. (laughs) Say a lot of the people who are being delivered out of bondage, out of sin. I wept before the Lord today at the fact that he has delivered me from death. I have no idea where I would be right now had I been on the track I was before. Do you have you considered where you would be right now if you were on the track that you were on whenever the Lord caught you in the middle of everything? Hmm? Oh yeah. I would probably I would probably be prospering in some way wishing I were dead every day and I wept before the Lord because I said because I was like Lord you delivered me literally from death I don't even I don't even know how I thought or operated before that I don't know how I sat and heard the scriptures that God so beautifully fashioned for us and never felt convicted by it. I don't know how I lived without having a word from the Lord. And I said, Lord, you speak to me every day that I will hear it. Every day that I'll turn my ear to you. You have always been faithful and I have regularly been faithless. Listen to the kind of leadership that God wanted Moses to lead with. Look at verse 15. He says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. Say go forward. forward. He says to Moses, As for you, lift up your staff and reach out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all of his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. When I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and through his horsemen. To the very leadership, to us pastors and husbands in the room and mothers to children and everybody else. The Lord says, why are you crying out to me? Tell them to move forward. Now the word from Moses was accurate in the first place. He says the Lord will fight with, for you. You need to keep silent. Stop the complaining. Stop the whining. Stop the faithless speech. Stop everything because you've already seen the mighty works that God has already done. They just saw plagues that mocked every single pagan god that was worshipped in Egypt, rain down on Egypt, and just create a massacre of them. And then they had the audacity to complain about their circumstances. An angel of death just swept through Egypt, and they were delivered from him. And still excuses. As I was reading this, the Lord asked me, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) What are you going to do? Church, what are you going to do? Amen. Amen. We're going to move forward. Moses was being empowered by God to do the things that he needed to do. And nonetheless, the, he thought himself inadequate and the lord says to him why are you crying out to me tell them to move forward let this be a word of admonition to our to our husbands and to pastors here in the room the lord is saying why are you crying out to me about this tell them to move forward There are so many excuses. They had been in slavery longer than this country has even existed. They, for generations, had not known anything different but slavery. But he says, go and be free. Look at this law, the law of liberty. And if you look at it, and you don't look away from it, and you aren't the one who goes and hears it but never does it, then you will be blessed in all that you do. But then we'll sit there and we'll prepare we'll find all the reasons why we can't move forward. But today, the Lord is saying to you, be silent, He will fight for you, and move forward. Church, in this very chapter, He says that I will show my glory to the Egyptians. So that means that the enemies that you feel like are against you, God's going to show their glory to them and even through them. So there went the one that, oh, well, I'm scared of this person or what they will think or what they will say or this is an obstacle right here in front of me of of these people. And what happened to the waters? The impassable thing that that you could never get by. The Lord, He splits it wide open. And He walls up that water on each side. There are, they had a witness on each side of them that the Lord was with them. And they go running through on dry land. And from there, all of Pharaoh and all those who were in pursuit after them get washed away in the same thing that you were delivered through. But nonetheless, God says, after this happens, everything, everyone in Egypt is going to know of my glory. You have to be encouraged today that those family members that you're concerned about will know of the glory that God is displaying in your life if only you move forward. If you move forward today with no fear, with no anxiety, those who you have been praying for, those who you have been interceding for, those who you feel like you have failed, all of that, they're going to know of God's glory because you moved forward Because you did not stand still. You did not stand idly in the face of God's instruction. Listen to this. One of my favorite songs says this Oh, can't you see such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've, just been, when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave and you, you can't even get out of bed. Oh, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of your bed. How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and you pretend that the job is done. You close your eyes and pretend the job is done. Don't close your eyes. Don't pretend that the job is done. The Lord has been encouraging me that I can do everything that I talk about all the time. Because He has empowered me to do everything that I talk about. Because He's spoken to me. We talk a lot. I wanted to see doing a lot. So what are you going to do? I have one last quote to share with you. And we're going to go back into a time of worship so that we can respond today to the Lord. And tell him, I will move forward in the things that I've been anxious about. I will not have excuses anymore. I will pray for those who you've, who you've told me to pray for. I will prophesy over those who you've told me to prophesy over. I will weep and mourn for those who are lost who my heart is burdened for. And I will, be, I will respond to you today, God. Amen. Landon, can you come back up? This quote here says, I am getting desperately afraid of going to heaven. Y'all hear me? I am getting desperately afraid of going to heaven. For I have had the vision of the shame I will suffer as I get my first glimpse of Lord Jesus. His majesty, His power, and His marvelous love for me who treated Him so meanly and shabbily on earth and acted as though I did Him a favor in serving Him. No wonder God shall have to wipe away the tears off all our faces. For we shall be brokenhearted when we see the depth of His love and the shallowness of ours. My heart is burning today saying, Lord Jesus, I want my love for you to match your love for me. Because you have paid every price. You have, gotten, you have broken down every door. You have come over every mountaintop. You have reached down into the depths of the valley of the shadow of death. And you have made every way that I could be drawn near to you. And I haven't loved you the way that you love me. I haven't done the things that you have told me to do. I have not responded to you the way that you have poured out your love over me. Church, I, I want my love for him. I want him to know that my love for him is that of, to the measure of his love for me. That's today going to require me. It's going to require you to get up and move forward. So what are you going to do today? Are you going to sing a couple more songs? Or are you going to pour out your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, today my family will move forward. We will go through the impassable obstacles in front of us. We will climb over every mountain. We will even walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and we will see your glory display.